Welcome to So You Want to Be a Witch, the podcast for soul-centered entrepreneurs and the people who love them. Welcome back to So You Want to Be a Witch. I am your host, Sarah M. Chapel, and we are here today with Susan Choi. Susan is a high-performance stress management coach, and when I heard about what Susan does and how she helps people in the world, I was so excited because I was like, that's me. It's me. And I know that so many of you are going to relate with Susan's story and the work that she brings to help you to actually optimize your brain so that you can enjoy your life and enjoy your business instead of being like a ball of stress, depression, and despair. So Susan, welcome. Thank you for being here today. Oh my goodness. That was an awesome intro. (laughs) Thank you so much. (laughs) And I related to that because that was me before too. And I'm here to tell you that it's possible to optimize your brain, optimize your life, and actually enjoy what we're all building in our life. Well, see, that gives me so much hope because even though I've done so much work on this, I know I'm not alone in saying that it it kind of always feels like there's a new level of of, of challenge, but also it doesn't come naturally to me. And I think it doesn't come naturally to a lot of us to do this idea of like brain optimizing. So let's dive in. First of all, I want to hear your story, Susan. How did you get here? Were you just like super great at stress management your entire life? No. (laughs) (laughs) And this should give everybody hope. So absolutely not. I was your typical high achiever. I was trained, you know, and I say trained by society, culturally, all the things that we, you know, are trained to believe from a very young age that the things like the successful career or the title, the white picket fence, you know, being married at a certain age, all of these things I was trained to believe would give me happiness. And so all of my young adult life, that's what I did. I became a management consultant. I served Fortune 100 companies. I was on highly strategic projects, even the secretive ones that had no names. (laughs) But I was doing all of these things. And it wasn't until I finally hit my rock bottom and I was in severe burnout and I had the diagnosis of adrenal fatigue. And up until that point, I had no idea what adrenal fatigue was. However, I felt this huge relief and weight being lifted off my shoulders because I finally had a name to what I was feeling. And up until that point, I thought that I was going crazy. I thought that I was being depressed for just no reason because everybody on the outside looking at my life would think that I had this perfect life, that there should be no reason to be upset or to be depressed. But once I was told that I had adrenal fatigue, that my circadian rhythm was completely off, it gave me a little bit of hope in terms of, okay, now what can we do about this? Because one of the biggest reasons why somebody experiences adrenal fatigue is from stress, whether that's mental, physical, or emotional, it's from a prolonged period of stress that you are experiencing. And so I always say that somehow this job or this career found me because it wasn't even anything that I was looking for. If anything, I was doing everything to try and get away from stress, but I was doing it in all the wrong ways. And until I realized how to manage stress the right way, that's when this career found me. And I thought, oh my goodness, I have to share this with anybody that will listen and anybody that wants to live an optimized life. So let's go a little bit deeper into what you were experiencing, because I think for the reasons you just said, that cultural conditioning, I should be happy with this, this job should be great, you know, all of those things, we we can be really hard on ourselves and maybe not understand that something actually is wrong. So what was that experience that you were having before that diagnosis? And how did you, how did that open things up for you to start to create a change? 
Yeah. So what that looked like for me, and let me know if any of you or, you know, Sarah, if you're experiencing this as well, is I would have major sleep disturbances. And so for some people, what that might look like is just not being able to fall asleep very easily. But for me, I was able to fall asleep and then I would be wide awake at 2 a.m., like wide awake, (laughs) cortisol (laughs) rushing through my veins, my throat. And so that was one of them. I was saying constantly, I used to um, CrossFit and do Olympic weightlifting. Every time I was on the platform, I would say to my friend who was next to me and say, I am so tired today. But that today was every day. I would say that every single day. And I, I couldn't figure out why I was so tired. And I would be getting sick a lot more, which meant that I had a weak immune system. And I just kind of felt like hormonally things were off, right? Like I'm a woman, so we get our periods every month. But, you know, something was off that made me constantly feel a little bit more sluggish. You know, I had a lot, lot more cravings. And I just felt a little bit more moodier than I typically would be. And so all of those were signs to me that something was off. And so that's something that I experienced. And I think it's different for everybody. And, um, you know, for somebody, it might be more pronounced in one area than the other. But I think that that's also what makes it a little bit elusive because conventional medicine doesn't recognize adrenal fatigue. And because the symptoms are so much like all these other diagnoses that are out there. And so I think that's what made it hard for me to think that something was actually wrong. And it wasn't until I went to a naturopath because, you know, I optimization, I wanted to understand my blood levels, you know, for completely different reasons. (laughs) I just wanted to optimize my health. And it wasn't until I went into that appointment when she said, you know, I think that you need, you should do a cortisol test because all of the things that you're saying kind of implies that you might have adrenal fatigue. And I'm like, oh, okay, like, sure, let's do it. And when I got that result, that's when I finally understood that there was a name for this. I am so glad that you shared that part of like the journey to get there, because I think, you know, a lot of folks listening to this show, I know we have a lot of folks who are herbalists and and are aware of like alternative remedies, but it's still so ingrained that unless like the doctor tells you that there's something wrong, that like you're crazy, you're making it up, or you should just suck it up or that this is normal, right? Like this is just how people feel. And when you're talking about fatigue, that's one of my, like my biggest issues is like fatigue and immune stuff. And it's, um, you know, you do that, that feeling of just like nothing, like you'd actually never feel good. It turns out that's not normal. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yes, exactly. So what did you start to do when you found out that, you know, your cortisol was out of whack and your body was like, "We, we can't do this anymore. How did you start to rebuild your, your wellness? Oh boy. I just have to let out that sigh because I did so much. And anybody who's known me or followed me for a while knows that it took me years to recover from adrenal fatigue itself. And I think that part of the reason is that I was chasing all the wrong things still thinking that I needed to take certain hormones or that I needed to take certain vitamins at certain times of days. Or, you know, I was doing all of these things that I don't want to say didn't help. Of course it helped but I was still addressing the symptom of the stress itself and not really addressing the root cause of what was actually causing me my stress. And that's what I've become really passionate about coaching and teaching people on is that stress never happens outside of us. It happens by us. And until we can recognize that and address that from the inside, everything else on the outside won't really change. And so in the beginning, to answer your question, I did everything. 
you know, I took a stool test. I took, um, you know, the amino acids test, a urine test. I mean, I did everything to optimize my digestive system, my hormones, my, my blood work, my vitamins, all of those things. Um, and while that was helpful, it gave me a boost of energy. I would say that it was the conduit to finally finding what was really going to help me because then I had the clarity. I had the energy to really use my brain, <laughs> use the knowledge and the intelligence that we all have innately within us to look at my life and figure out and ask the question, what is causing me my stress? And initially what I thought that the answer was, was again, everything outside of me. So was it my job? Was it where I'm living? You know, all of these things that any normal person would think stress is coming from. But it wasn't until I understood that if I didn't properly process stress as an emotion in my body, that it would still be trapped in my body and would be basically knocking at my heart's door saying, hey, I need your attention. There's something much deeper here. I also didn't realize that how I was thinking about everything that I was seeing in my life as a problem was also not serving me because I was essentially giving away my power to something outside of me. And I was constantly trying to control the universe, hoping that somebody would act a certain way or that I wouldn't get the fire or the email at work and all of these things. But I really could have just gone to the source and that was myself. Well, I feel like when I first started hearing like this concept, it sounded like kind of a, a tough pill to swallow. It, it, well, it's, it can be, I think when we come to the other side, really empowering to be like, oh, I actually have some control over myself. So that ultimately means I can change. But it's hard when you, you know, I am very reactionary and I wanted to like blame everything else, where I live, what I do, it's everyone else's fault, it's society's fault, like all of this. How did you make that shift from, you know, that, that external blame to taking that personal responsibility? I think that what made it easier was to finally, so I'm a systematic person. I'm an INTJ. Me <laughs> Last too. Time I checked, I'm an INTJ. <laughs> yes. Yes. INTJs reunite. So <laughs> I'm an INTJ. And so I had to systematically put everything into some sort of formula so that I could understand exactly where to go when I was feeling this mm. or exactly where to go when I was feeling that. And so how I kind of segmented the types of the property of work that I now coach is brain management and emotional management. And without those two, I realized as I was going about the world and trying to figure out how to even um, solve this conundrum for myself, I realized that most of what you learn is either just intellect or just feelings. And for me, I needed both. I mean, we're human. So, I mean, we, I have a brain and a heart and I needed to unite those two and have it be a team play for me to kind of go about the world feeling very, very confident and empowered to handle anything that comes my way. Because most likely you're going to have a thought about it or you're going to have a feeling about it. And so that's kind of how I approached the work and myself is it was either always going to be about a thought that I was having right? How can I manage my own psychology about this? Or it was, a, it was about a feeling that I was feeling and I was either judging it, resisting it, or ignoring it. And I had to really do the work in understanding why am I so afraid of this feeling? And it also helped to understand that everything that we think and everything that we feel has a positive intent behind it. So when we can look at our thoughts and our feelings and not be afraid of them, 
not feel as if it's against us, but actually do the deeper work of of trying to understand, oh, it's here to tell me something. There's a part of me, there's a fragment of me that wants to feel this feeling or that's thinking this thought. And now it's my job to understand why. Why am I thinking this way? Why am I feeling this way? What What are you here to teach me? And when I was able to do that work, then it, it, nothing seemed like a big burden. It actually seemed like it was a shortcut to the problem rather than something like doing the long work of trying to control everything around me and all the people in, in my life. Awesome. So can you tell us a little bit more about what it means to kind of look at both of these pieces? Because you were saying that you kind of see like, we can't think of like the thoughts and the emotions as separate. How did you come to link those? And then what does it actually look like in practice? Yeah. So. What about, how about we do an actual live example? Okay, let's do it. (laughs) Yeah, so give me something that you're currently focused on that's giving you stress or, you know, causing you to feel something. Oof. Uh, I was like, I'm an INTJ, what's a feeling? Um, Oh, totally, I was there, yeah. (laughs) I've been working on this, so I'm getting much better. I have feelings and I feel them and it's okay. (laughs) I am... I'm a, st- I'm a little stressed about like customer experience in my business. Like, can it? Like how, how, how to do, <laughs> I was like, I, I, I don't like things I haven't figured out. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So when you think about customer experience in your business, how does that make you feel? It makes me feel nervous. Mm, why does it make you feel nervous? Because I'm afraid it's not good enough. Okay. So that, so you're having thought, I'm afraid that my customer experience is not good enough. Yes. And as a result, that thought that you are thinking, because again, we have to really drill down into all of the layers of our thinking and the thought that you're having of my customer experience um, may not be good enough is causing you to feel nervous. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, that's, that's how I want everyone to think about their entire life experience is that anything that you are feeling right now is a direct result of a very specific thought that you are thinking. And how, how do we fix it, Susan? <laughs> fix me. So what, so you have to, so it's a two part system. On one hand, you are actually having the experience of nervousness. Okay. And what you have to do is you have to process that emotion Rather than what most people would do is what um, what I would call like overing behavior. Like you would overeat, overdrink, over socialize on Instagram. Like we would do something to distract ourselves from feeling the discomfort of nervousness, mm. right? But instead, what we have to do is we have to learn how to sit with that emotion of nervousness for at least 90 seconds because the momentum of an emotion is 90 seconds. Mm. So if you can actually be with your emotion and breathe with it, and recognize that all an emotion is, is a vibration in your body. And that actually all of the drama of emotions are actually caused in our mind because <laughs> now we're having a thought about the emotion. Mm-hmm. When we can sit with that emotion for 90 seconds, we're allowing ourselves to be with it and process it and tell our brain on some level that there's nothing really wrong with the emotion itself. Oh. And so that's, that's part one. We have to manage the emotion. And the second part of it is we have to recognize that what you are saying, like meaning the thought that you are thinking about your customer experience is simply a personalization that you are having about your business. It's not a fact. It is a story, like a personalization that you are having about your experience of 
the customer service. Mm. So when it comes to thoughts, there's so many you know, tactics and ways that we can do about it. But one simple thing that I always like to share with people is when you have a certain situation or a problem, you want to get out a piece of paper and you want to um, draw a line right down the middle so that you have two parallel um, columns. And on one side of it, you want to write, you know, personalization or story. And then on the other side, you just want to write facts. Because the more we can get our mind to focus on the fact of what's happening, like actual data, the numbers, you know, <laughs> things that you can, that, that nobody can argue against. When we look at the facts, we kind of realize that we're letting our primitive part of our mind to drive the story instead of just looking at the facts and now being solution driven in terms of, okay, that's the conversion rate or, okay, this is how many emails that I got around this particular experience. And then you, it's immediate, like a, it's an immediate click into what you need to do next. We're not, when we're in the story or the personalization of it, it's very easy to just get stuck. It's like we freeze in that, in that thought because the thought itself is so scary. Yeah. I love bringing it back into reality and facts. That's my happy place. And I can see how useful this would be in like almost any area of life. I mean, obviously I'm sitting here and I'm, I'm a person who my problems tend to always manifest through my business. Um, but I imagine that you, you can do this with like anything, right? Oh, absolutely. It, it, the crazy part is that most people come to me because of their business or their job. And then as we get talking, for the most part, we're talking about relationships. Mm. <laughs> I'm not a relationship coach, but that's the crazy part is that we are human beings. and who are we around all the time? Other human beings. And so what we're talking about is every area of their life, whether that's their relationship to themselves and trying to stop the overing behavior or their relationship to a partner or potential partner, finding a partner. I mean, it's, it, it goes, this work can be applied to any aspect of life because the, the thing about this that I used to do in all of my 20s was I would go travel to a different country I would go pick up a new hobby. I would make new friends thinking that my life would be better somehow if I traveled to a new country and had these new experiences. And, you know, if I met new people, all of these things. And then I realized one thing is that I took my brain with me wherever I went. <laughs> I know. Like I was taking my old self with me to every experience. And it's not the experience that creates our reality. It is our thought about our experience that creates our reality. It's yeah. never Mic drop. Fuck. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's never what's happening outside of us. It's always our thought about it that is going to create the quality of our experience. And so that's why brain management is so important because the better that you can get at shifting from being so problem oriented to solution oriented, the better quality of life that you will have. Can you give us an example of like something maybe in the past that would have really like thrown you for a loop that now you're able to, to really manage well using these tools? Yeah. So I'm going to talk about emotions specifically. I mean, awesome. we can talk about thoughts too, but I want to share the story of the fact that, you know, as a fellow INTJ, Sarah, I <laughs> could not feel my feelings. I remember I was in a therapy session once and, you know, Melissa, she was my therapist. She was like, okay, so you're having this experience. I want you to spend 60 seconds and just tell me what you feel. 
And I remember thinking during the whole 60 seconds of, I don't know what I'm feeling. I don't know what I'm feeling. Oh my gosh. I don't know what I'm feeling. Silence, silence, silence. I still don't know what I'm feeling. (laughs) I could not, I didn't even know what that meant. Like, like literally if I were, if you were to kind of hook me up to a machine, it would just be like, like there's nothing. I couldn't feel anything. funny it's so sad right but but I couldn't feel anything and it took me so many sessions to finally think oh I think what this emotion might be is sadness <laughs> you know like it, it's I couldn't even put words to it and that's yeah. actually something that I find in a lot of my um, high achieving clients is that when I ask them how does that make you feel they will use phrases instead of emotions. So what I mean by that is they'll say something like, I just feel like I'm being run down and I don't know what to do. And I'm like, wait, stop. That's not a feeling. Oh my God, that sounds like me. I was like, everything, that's not a feeling. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, stop, what are you feeling? You know, and there's a step that we go through in terms of helping them identify that. But, you know, that for me personally, that was something that all throughout my 20s, I didn't realize that I wasn't feeling anything. I mean, I was, I mean, I'm, I'm human and I'm feeling something, but I didn't know on a conscious level what to even label them as. And because I didn't even like to feel them, I developed a binge eating problem, mm-hmm. right? Like I, I did all of these things in my life to distract myself from the feeling. And that goes to the traveling, that goes to picking up new hobbies. These were all protective mechanisms that I was doing so that I would never feel a feeling. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, personally for me, it wasn't until I started to feel the feelings that I was now able to understand that, oh, I don't need to eat to feel better. You know, I was able to understand, I don't need to travel somewhere to feel better. And now when I do travel somewhere, I'm actually so deeply present in the moment. And I know that I'm part of creating that experience for myself. And it's not necessarily where I'm at. And that was so powerful for me to finally understand that, to finally learn how to feel my feelings. I, something you said before the call was, uh, we were just chatting and you mentioned kind of like, like choosing to make something, what was the phrase you used? Like choosing to make something worth it or worthwhile? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I was mentioning how, when, you know, whenever I make a decision, I just decide in advance that I'm going to make it worth it. Yeah. Can you tell us more about that? Cause that feels really linked to this, like this ownership of the experience that I know for me is something that I've been working on a lot over the past couple of years. Um, but it is not something that we're kind of ingrained to, to believe and we're kind of, uh, socially dependent on external forces for, uh, our, our feelings. Um, how have you shifted yeah. into that? And what does that really look like to make those kinds of choices? Yeah. So let's pause a little bit because I I want to hone in on the fact, like if you look up the definition of an emotion, it says that it is an instinctive or intuitive feeling as a result of reasoning or knowledge, something like that. I'm missing the middle part, but it's as a result of reasoning or knowledge. Reasoning or knowledge comes from one place for every single person. And that is your belief system. That's what you think about the world, what you think about yourself. And that's what I call personalization. We are personalizing in every single moment. It's just a part of our human nature. And so when I finally understood that our thoughts create how we feel, like whatever you're thinking in any given moment, and I think that this should be an exercise for all of us throughout the rest of the day, is notice what you're feeling. And if you just spend 30 seconds trying to think, what was I just thinking? 
because most likely there was a thought that is directly linked to how you're feeling right now. Mm-hmm. And the thing about thoughts is that they are just thoughts, right? Like we can change our thoughts in any given moment. And if we know that how we are thinking is causing our feeling, then why not think a better thought? It doesn't necessarily mean it has to be a positive thought, but why not think a better thought? Because when we, when we, what we know about the, about human potential and potential in general is that there is no end to greatness, which also means that there is no end to thinking better thoughts. And that to me gives me so much power. And it's, it, it's just so empowering to know that each and every one of us has the ability to think better thoughts and therefore create a better feeling quality experience of our life. And when we feel better, what are we going to do? We're going to wake up. We're going to, you know, hug the people that we love. We're going to show up differently. We're going to shine differently. And we're going to get the results that we want in our lives. And to me, that is, is taking ownership of the direct result and outcome that you want in your life, knowing that how you feel is from your thoughts. And I know that that sounds so simple, but it's so powerful when you actually put it into practice of trying to understand what are all the thoughts I'm thinking today? And how can I change that to be and meet the future version of myself so much faster? There's a statistic that says 95% of the thoughts that we think today are the same exact thoughts that we just thought yesterday. And when we think about changing habits, when we think about trying to change something about our life, it makes sense why it takes so long is because we're thinking the same thoughts every single day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And so when we think about that statistic alone, we have to really look at it in a way of, wow, if 95% of the thoughts that I just thought today are the same ones from yesterday and likely the day before and likely a year ago, that really says something to you know, thinking better thoughts day by day so that we can actually be a completely different person a year from now, right? Like when we think about who we were 10 years ago, we definitely don't think the same thoughts as that person. I know I don't. (laughs) Me neither. Thank gosh. (laughs) Yeah. And it's because we learn things along the way. We learn from our experiences, our lessons, the people around us, like things change. And so therefore what's also going to change is how we think about things, how we personalize everything. So if we want to start to really create this shift, it sounds like that first step is the noticing, right? Bringing awareness to the, the, the fact that we have feelings. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I know some INTJs listen to this. We, we, we have more, uh, more Fs in this audience, I think, than Js, but we're here. Um, <laughs> bringing awareness to those feelings and then starting to kind of dial back and say, okay, what are, the, what are the thoughts that are happening before this feelings? What are the thoughts that are leading to the feelings? Is that right? Yeah. And I would, you know, I would also just remind everybody that use the F versus S exercise, meaning fact versus story. Yes. Always in any situation, just ask yourself like, wait a minute, I'm in my mind drama right now. <laughs> what is the fact? Because whenever you notice that you're in drama, you have to, you have to remind yourself that emotions don't cause drama. Because if you think about just the emotion in and of itself, it's just a vibration in your body that needs to be played out. Like when we think about nervousness or anxiety or even, um, you know, for me, one of the biggest difficulties that I still have that I'm always learning on and that I'm always kind of cognizant of is happiness or like joy. You know, when I feel that, it's like there's this rising sensation that comes up from my stomach all the way up to my throat. 
and I immediately want to do something. It's like, oh my gosh, I want to like call somebody. I want to eat a piece of chocolate, like whatever that is. But I have to just recognize that it's the emotion in and of itself is simply a vibration. And once we start having drama about something like, oh my gosh, like I'm going to fail this quarter or my partner hates me now or whatever that is, that's coming from a thought that we're having. And that's why the F versus X exercise is so useful because when you can separate all of your thoughts about something and then all of the facts about what actually happened, you can really clearly see where you're kind of stuck at. Like, are you stuck in the story or are you in fact land? (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love that too. It's, I have a long time listeners to the podcast. I've probably heard of this, but I actually have a tarot spread that actually kind of does the same thing. And I love having it kind of put within this framework of like, actually like how, how the brain is working (laughs) to create this. But I encourage people to pull a card for, for what they think is going on with their experiences, that personalization, and then what's actually going on, what the reality is. So, right. (laughs) starting to tease yeah. those things apart and, and letting that be what actually guides us moving forward. So once we start doing that, how do we start thinking better thoughts? If 95% are the ones from yesterday, what can we do to begin to shift this? So first of all, you know, like you said, you have to be aware. And second of all, literally it's a third pillar of what I like to um, like literally drill into everyone's mind is application. You have to practice this. You know, I find it funny that people nowadays go to the gym knowing that if they don't go to the gym, they're going to lose their muscle. If we don't eat healthy, we're going to see the weight creeping back in. Like there's only things that we know with regards to our physical health that we know what we need to do. But when it comes to the mind, I feel like we're still, we're discovering this new frontier in terms of, you know, what people believe about the mind. And it's the same exact thing. We have to practice thinking these new thoughts all the time. Because if we don't, it's, it's like the muscle. We're going to lose the muscle. Mm-hmm. So we have to put it, we have, we have to actually do it, Susan? <laughs> <laughs> yes, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I, I had a client once who she was saying how she had tried everything, everything, um, even plant medicine, like everything to help her feel better about her life. And once she understood that she was the one that actually had the power, and that she can change her thoughts at the drop of a dime. And that it was literally all about understanding your brain so well in terms of, oh, I know that as soon as this happens, I'm going to be triggered. Or, oh, I know as soon as you know, um, I, I open up my email that I get anxiety. When you can recognize your own patterns and when you have a plan in terms of how do I want to feel? What is future Sarah going to feel and think in this moment, six months from now, when this isn't even a problem? Like Sarah doesn't even think that this is a problem. And when we can identify ourselves with that version of ourselves at thinking different thoughts, then we can kind of, we, we have a plan in terms of what to start thinking and what to start practicing and what to start believing. Mm. And, and this client, she was saying how it wasn't until things got really hard again, you know, life is all in cycles, right? There are the good times and there are the bad times. And she was saying that when things got really tough, she recognized the value of application. She recognized that, oh, had I not been practicing this every single day, because that's what she does. She has a dedicated notebook to this. And she goes, had I not been practicing brain and emotional management, I wouldn't have been able to handle that situation with as much grace as I did. Because the old her, (laughs) old her would have just gone through 
bad habits again, would have, you know, fled the room or would have said something that she didn't, she wouldn't really have been proud of. And so that's why I say application is the third pillar. It, it is the most important thing that you have to be disciplined enough to practice because you know that it is essentially a practice. It's a way of life. So I'd love to hear a little bit about how this then influences your life now. I mean, you have done the work as you are growing your own business now, supporting people with this work. How do you use these tools to, to stress-proof yourself? <laughs> especially yeah. as a business owner. <laughs> yeah, that is such a great question. Oh gosh, I would say so much. You, you know, one of the things that this has helped me with is re-identifying my relationship with failure. Like I actually fail on purpose. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, like I just fail and fail and fail. And literally we all know that failure is not really failure. You're just desensitizing yourself to something that you're going to get really good at. Mm. And so I would say that it's redefined my relationship to failure. I would say that all of the anxiety that I, you know, used to have, even in my old job, um, my old career being a consultant in terms of always trying to perfect something, you know, that speaks to a lot of perfectionism that I used to have and it still creeps up. But, you know, when I, when I see that, I just think, you know, my teacher always says, just shoot B minus work. You know, it's like, it doesn't even matter. Nobody even notices, (laughs) right? It's just me. And so I always tell myself that I'm more resilient now than I ever was before because I know now how to manage any emotion. I can, you know, it's, it's not going to derail me for days or weeks where I'm just sitting in bed or eating something. I can just be with it for 90 minutes or 90 seconds, two minutes, five minutes, however long it's going to take me and do spend the five minutes to do the thought work in understanding why am I so, you know, so sold on the idea of believing this thought? Where is it coming from? And actually, what is my subconscious really afraid of here? Like, what is it actually protecting me from? Because when I dig in and do the work of understanding what is it really that I'm afraid of? Why do I want to hold on to this thought? Or why do I want to fight for this limitation? It just all boils down to fear. And, you know, I think that in the past, it would have derailed me for months. I wouldn't know that that was even happening. I wouldn't know that what I was thinking or what I was feeling was actually trying to protect me in some way. And now, now that I know that, now that I know that everything has a positive intent, life is just so much easier because if I can just sit down and do the work, again, this speaks to the application. When I sit down and just do the work, it's like unboxing a present. It's like, oh, that's right. (laughs) That's the reminder for me. That's right. Nothing is actually really scary. Thank you. Thank you. And then I can move on with my day. So I would say, you know, resilience in every aspect of of just knowing that nothing is truly that dramatic right? Everything is fact. Everything is positive, positive in terms of there's a positive intent. And, you know, it it just redefines my relationship with so many things. I love this so much, especially when we're talking about failure, something I see all the time with my customers and clients. And I imagine you've seen, and I I have seen it myself and I imagine you have as well is, is what you're talking about, you know, something going like going wrong, quote unquote, and being derailed. I had a couple customers recently were talking about um, sales and kind of 
we're talking about sales in my membership site, um, the Holistic Business Academy. And so many folks have these, these fears around selling, but even more, you know, they've tried it before. They've tried with, you know, they, they've sent the email with an offer and nothing happened and it was demoralizing. Mm. Right. And I, I think about that when we're talking about kind of like becoming accustomed to failure and seeing you know, like what is actually happening, like the reality, you sent an email that didn't get the result you want, right? right? Versus, you know, the story that we create. So nobody wants my work and I might as well quit, right? Right. Yes. Because so many people stop right there. Yes. And it's like, why? <laughs> you know, if you, if you just recognize that it's just your personalization that's holding you back. Yeah. Then, I, yeah, the world is your story. Go ahead. No, I was just wondering too, because I think one of the, uh, how this kind of fits or how you would work through this. I think this is, I'm just thinking like, gosh, there's so many things I'm seeing in my customers right now. They're like all, all lined up. We, we humans, man, we're all so different, <laughs> all so similar. Um, but one of the things I'm seeing is this, this projection of our story onto other people, right? Yes. So, yes. and we see that in sales, I am sure in relationships, right? In all these places, how do we start to break that down through this model of like, uh, I'm, I, you know, I sent this email, so I must be bothering somebody, right? Like we, yeah. we kind of like put those beliefs on someone else. Yeah. And again, it's, I'm going to repeat myself, but I love it. <laughs> literally, I want us all to just take a moment and pause and think about that thought. Like I'm bothering someone and we have to question the thought because Really, how many emails do you get a day? And are you bothered or did you get value out of that? I get and, and so we, many emails. Right? <laughs> I mean, I, I get emails and I gladly subscribe to them because I'm like, I like that person. I want to hear from them. Yep. And we have to ask ourselves, why is it that we're thinking that way? And does yeah. it even serve us to hold on to that thought? Here's how else I like to think about this is if it's not giving me the result that I want, it's out. My favorite word is next. I'm literally, I'm literally always telling myself next. That wasn't helpful. Next. I love <laughs> <Right>? that. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not joking. I literally say next so many times during the day. I'm like next, that wasn't helpful. What's next. Right. Mm-hmm. And we have to question, you know, our thought at every angle of like, yes. is that 100% true? And we also have to ask ourselves the question of um, how is it true for you? right? Like, are you annoying yourself? Are you bothering yourself? And, you know, it's always, everything that we're thinking is simply a reflection of our own belief system. That's all that it is. Because like you said, uh, just a few minutes ago of we're, we're all so unique and yet we're all the same. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Right. Like everybody has this. And for some people, it's going to be more business related. For some people, it's going to be more weight related. For some people, it's going to be more, you know, child relationship related, but it's always going to be something, but it doesn't mean that it's true. It just means that that's your thing to work through. And that's the whole point of, you know, I'm sure you believe in this too, but it's like the whole point of why we're here on earth. It's to expand our consciousness and to expand our capacity to love. Because that's, that's literally the lesson that we're going to learn every single day. And until we can embrace that that's the whole point, then we can give ourselves a little bit of compassion. Then we can loosen that grip, that grip that we have of wanting to believe that thought or wanting to hold on to this limitation. Because when we can relax back into, oh, the whole point of, of being here is to just experiment. The whole point is to love. The whole point is to learn more and grow past my current evolution. Then we can look at things with more curiosity. 
We can just sit back in awe and say, wow, like my brain really wants to believe that today. <laughs> right. So yeah. I would say curiosity is another one. It's like, just get curious, just get, get really curious with like, why is it that I want to believe that? And does it serve me? And just to bring this back to the beginning of our conversation now, I mean, with what you're teaching and and, in your own life, you're at a place where by questioning your thoughts and exploring those being curious there is directly impacting your physical well-being. Is that right? Oh my goodness. Completely, completely. Because stress is an emotion. And by now everyone's going to know the answer. Where does stress come from? It comes from a thought that we're having. Mm-hmm. And, and how do I know that that's true is because somebody having the same experience, so you could be in a job or in a business, somebody who's making the same amount of money as you are, maybe you're in a company right now, somebody who works at the same company, they're not feeling the stress. And it's because they're just thinking different thoughts about it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I feel like this is so epic when we can bring it back to this place of like, this is me you can do in your own mind. Obviously you can get yeah. support and we'll ask Susan in a second how you can learn more from her, but like, this is this is not this isn't brain science. I guess it is brain science. <laughs> <laughs> brain surgery. That's the thing that people say. I'm like this isn't brain surgery. It's like self brain surgery that you're doing, um, and that this can actually not. I mean, not just like improve like you know your mental well being, but because of the the physical ramifications of stress, can help you to have a, a a more more fulfilling and stable relationship with your body. Just wild. Yes. Yes, absolutely. That was the greatest gift for me. Because I mean, literally all throughout my 20s, even in high school, middle school, I mean, for as long as I can remember, stress was something huge for me. That was one of the biggest life life lessons. And I'm still learning it today because we're all human. But it was a big, big life lesson for me. And it's given me the greatest freedom. Well, Susan, if somebody wants to get started on this, they're like, I want to be stress proof. That sounds fucking rad, Um, which it does. sign, (laughs) sign, Sign me up. How can people learn more about your work and start diving deeper? Yes. So you can learn from me weekly. I have a podcast and you can learn about the podcast over at stressproofpodcast.com. And on it, you will find everything that you need to know. The latest episodes, um, I have a three-part video series that's also there for free. It's a free training. But yeah, subscribe, listen to me. I teach about all this every week. Uh, amazing. We'll link all that up in the show notes so that you can find the free training and find Susan's awesome podcast, which is like a top 100 mental health podcast, right? Aren't you fancy? You go. (laughs) I love it. And yeah, do you have any parting words of wisdom for us, Susan? (laughs) Yeah. You know, so all I want to say is that you are not broken, right? Like I think a lot of people are so hard on themselves thinking that there must be something wrong with them. And if anything, I just want to point out that you're doing everything right. And that's how strong your brain is. Like that's how smart you are innately is that you've just learned and applied something 100% so well. And now you just need to retrain your brain to do the opposite. And so I just want to give people that hope of just saying that you're not broken and that there is a way to feeling better. And it all starts with brain and emotional management and that everything is going to be fine. I love that. Thanks, Susan. I was like, I feel like I'm like, I'll take that. I'm not broken. (laughs) Um, And I can feel feelings. It's okay. Um, Susan, thank you so much for coming on the show today to share your amazing wisdom and give us some really tangible tools to start to, uh, to change our lives. I so appreciate you and your work. 
Yeah. Thank you so much, Sarah, for having me. It was such a pleasure and I had a blast. Thank you so much. Oh, you're so welcome. Everyone listening at home, thank you for listening. We wouldn't be here if uh, you weren't here because then then we would just be talking and it'd be fine. Um, (laughs) But we recorded this. We're putting it out in the universe. Thousands of you will enjoy this. Amazing. And we want to hear from you. Um, Susan, I'm going to go ahead and trust this is okay. What I would love is for you guys to take a screenshot of this podcast, share it over on your Instagram stories, and tag me and Susan um, so that we can see what was really supportive for you. How are you going to try these tools? Let us know what happens. I want to hear from you guys about what your takeaways are from this episode. Um, and we can tag you. And uh, Susan, what are you over on Instagram? Yeah, so on Instagram, I'm at Susan Choi Wellness. There you go. And I'm at Sarah M. Chapel. If you're not following me already, do it. Follow Susan and tag us and tell us all about how you are going to start to stress-proof your life by tapping into your thoughts and your emotions and shifting those stories. I love you guys. You're amazing. And I'll see you next week. Bye for now. 